and welcome to this week's Wildlife Matters podcast with me, your host, Nigel Palmer. On today's action-packed show, we'll be talking to Deborah from Hedge Pigs, which is a dedicated hedgehog rescue based in the East Midlands. And we'll find out how a hedgehog rescue works behind the scenes, how to attract and support hedgehogs in your own garden, and why are they doing better in urban areas than they are in the countryside. All this and more are coming up right after we hear from our partners at One Voice for Animals who made this episode happen. Exciting news! Wildlife Matters has formed a partnership with the fabulous folk at One Voice for Animals. Our partnership aims to raise awareness of the work of the many independent rescues that are part of the One Voice for Animals family. One Voice for Animals works to create awareness of the work of rescue organisations all around the UK to provide practical support that is raising standards for animal rescues and helping them to raise the vital funds that they need. The One Voice for Animals directory is the place to go to find your local animal rescue, be that for companion or wild animals. And collectively, One Voice for Animals works to influence UK animal welfare issues on behalf of their member organisations and is a member of APGOR the all-parliamentary group for animal welfare. For more information, please visit the One Voice for Animals website. Their website address is www.helpanimals.co.uk. And just in case you've missed that, get your pen and papers ready. The website address is www.helpanimals.co.uk. UK. Now let's get back to the Wildlife Matters podcast. Hedgehogs are one of the most popular wild animals and a huge favourite with listeners to the Wildlife Matters podcast. And that's why we were so delighted to catch up with Deborah, the founder of Hedge Pigs, which is a dedicated hedgehog rescue centre, and find out all about hedgehogs is coming up now in a feature length episode enjoy hello and, and welcome back on on this week's wildlife matters podcast we're speaking to deborah from hello Hedgehogs. how are hello, you hello deborah i'm great thank you lovely to meet you and thank you very much for coming on and joining us here today really looking forward to having a chat about hedgehogs and finding a bit more about hedgehogs and what it is that you do so, I mean, to start with, obviously, there's loads to go through, but can you tell us a bit of your story, really? I mean, how did it come by so, that you started? So, Hedgepigs Hedge was really a complete accident. Um, I was converting our outhouse into what was going to be my craft room, and I was happily sat in the garden painting some shelving one summer's day, and I heard some rustling, and I thought, oh, it must be one of the neighbour's cats just settling down for a sleep in 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 garden and 
No, it wasn't because the wrestling kept going on. And about two hours later, I managed to find a collapsed hedgehog completely dehydrated, absolutely exhausted from the heat. And so I very quickly stuck some gloves on, scooped it up, popped it into a cat basket and tried to find a rescue for it. All of our local rescues were full. And so the next thing was to get some advice about what to do with it. I managed to rehydrate it and released it into the garden, very quickly knocked up a hedgehog house, contacted the British Hedgehog Preservation Society to see what else I could do to help because I knew that they were endangered. And before I knew it, I was going on a course in how to rescue and rehabilitate hedgehogs. And the next thing I knew, I was talking to the the BHPS about opening my own rescue. And if you speak to my other half, he will tell you that he was never consulted during any of this process. That's a fairly familiar thing, I think, when you uh, speak to people who set up new rescues. <laughs> they uh, come about in interesting ways, don't they? And partners generally, not not No, no, it, it's <laughs> all changed a bit since then. But yes, so it's it's escalated from being this small little rescue is we are still a small little rescue but we are now a registered charity as well which is thanks to Val Green and One Voice for Animals yes and and hedge pigs just continues to grow and we've had over 500 hedgehogs through the door since we opened which to say that we really should only be taking in about 10 at a time is is quite a feat it's an amazing number and it's only because am i right was it, it 2018 was, yes. when, when you first it is, relatively yes recent yeah, yeah. 500 ish five years that's a really going <laughs> that's mm. a dramatic increase isn't it as, as you come around and good to hear that that you've got the support from people like the british hedgehog preservation society who um Faye and the team they do amazing work don't they and also from Bowen and the team at Long Voice for Animals. I mean, I've, I've been incredibly lucky, the support rescue. I've had. I went to volunteer at Brinsley Animal Rescue, is our lo local biggest wildlife rescue. And the training and additional support I've received from them has been amazing. I've got a barrage of vets that I work with. So depending on what's wrong with the hedgehogs that come in, depends on which vet it might go to. I have incredible support from the vets that I work with and the local community. And of course, anyone who finds a hedgehog in distress really wants to help it. And people really do step up quite amazingly. And that's so good to hear that there is a community. And I think also you're right, vets in general, they do this because they love animals rather oh, they than absolutely any do. other way. Vets don't, don't do get vets. paid really to help wildlife. And at the end of the day, they are running businesses. So the fact that they are happy to give me some of their time to be able to help an endangered species is really quite incredible. Yeah, big shout out to absolutely. the vets. Absolutely. Yeah, it's good to hear how far you've come in such a really quite a short amount of time. I'm not sure that's had its challenges, but it's also an amazing thing. It is, um, it is. But I'm I'm back. again I'm I'm blessed with some wonderful volunteers. I've had some incredible volunteers over over the years. I was resistant to take volunteers in because I very strongly felt that I had a duty of care to any animal that I took in. But actually, to be able to train other people up so that if they wanted to, they could go on and open their own rescue and do for them the service that Brinsley did for me and other places do, is actually we, we need more rescues for wildlife. So it's actually really quite lovely to be able to take in people who care for the animals and actually to train them up and, and get them going. 
yeah, it's very satisfying, I imagine, and, and, and a really good way of looking at it. That your volunteers are such a resource and, and potential rescue starters or not, as the case may be, that's their choice. But, but great that they've and got I the necessary I do experience. I, I'm working full time, caring for my 91 year old father, looking after my partner, um, and family general. And so to be running the hedgehog rescue as well. The volunteers that I have are absolutely incredible. And my trustees, I mustn't forget them. No, they play an important role as well. It's that old adage though, isn't it? If you want something doing, find a busy person. And you clearly are that busy person who uh, also took this on as, as well, sort of thing. So well done to you for that. Bringing us around sort of British wildlife is fascinating and wonderful. And you've kind of gone into this, but what is it about hedgehogs that well, to be really honest, did it for you? It was just that chance encounter. And I love all animals, um, most insects. There's a couple of insects that I, I'm not so keen on, um, especially actually a few more since I started looking after hedgehogs. Uh, but um, our outhouse that the rescue is actually based in isn't big enough to fit many types of animal in and hedgehogs while they do need a decent size of enclosure we can actually stack those enclosures and very luckily my mum has before she died funded a, a block of cages for us which is just an absolute godsend because we're able to put the hedgehogs in this stacked block of cages and it means that we can take more in Whereas if we were taking in foxes or if we were taking in a badger, we'd need to have an awful lot of land and equally for birds, to, there just isn't room in our, in our garden for an aviary. So hedgehogs really were one of the few species of British wildlife that actually we could actually make a difference to. And well done to your mum, because that's made I, such And a to be honest, I, all of this, mum was such an amazing supporter she helped me set up a, a charity bank account and she she installed a love of animals in me and so i think all of this really to some degree is down to her yeah and what an amazing thing for her to carry yes. on with yeah I, and i understand that about hedgehogs that they're maybe a little easier in space considerations than the other animals but still um, very challenging in their own most definitely yes they're, so, they're stubborn little creatures they are yeah we we always used to say stoic not very good at telling you what's wrong really are they whereas other animals hold a paw up or do other similar things hedgehogs no and, really and i had hedgehogs in in the past that really if we were faced with the ailments that they came in with we'd be lying rolling on the ground in or passing out but the hedgehogs just seem to continue and carry on and have this just this zest for life and and this desire and drive to live that i've never seen in any other species of animal no they are quite remarkable with that no hedge pigs your focus really is rescue rehabilitate and release hedgehogs so could you talk us through like those three obviously key of phases course. in what you do and maybe a little example so of how they would obviously work. with any animal, any wildlife animal, you 
the, the main thing is that in order to help it, you've got to be able to trap it. Hedgehogs are slightly easier than some species to trap in that they've never developed that concept of flight in danger. So where a fox or a badger or, or a bird might try to get away from you, a hedgehog, when it's absolutely terrified, will just stand stock still. And it means that they're very easy to trap. And that helps in being able to capture them. And so we basically ask people to capture any hedgehog that they think might be in need of help, always to wear gloves because they may have contagious diseases on the outside of their bodies, um, to pop them into a large box, high-sided box, and to also, as long as they haven't got fly strike or an obvious open wound, to put a heat source in there. And then the rescue part of it is really down to the people that find those hedgehogs. And we're just giving advice on that side of things because then we ask the person to find a way to transport it to one of our vets. Or if failing that it's not possible, then we'll try and find some means of transporting it there or to us for them. We don't accept hedgehogs at our house because it is our private home and so we're not open to members of the public. So the rescue is really about people in the community who come across hedgehogs in distress. We're just there to advise on that side of things and also to advise whether a hedgehog needs rescuing or not. So probably one of the best examples we've had recently was a hedgehog who had been caught up in some litter and it was one of those, I don't know, I don't, you don't see them very often. So where this poor hedgehog had managed to find one, I'm not really sure. But it was one of those plastic sort of ring things that go around six packs of beer. And I, it looked, it obviously been knocking around for quite a while because it looked quite old. And this poor hedgehog had managed to get its head stuck in, in one of the holes and needed to be taken out. And one of the problems that, with hedgehogs is that just actually capturing them and taking something off them that's causing a constriction injury is not enough because once a hedgehog becomes stressed, they all have dormant parasites living in their stomachs. And so once stressed, that dormant parasite will sense a weakness and might spring to life, at which point if you just let it go, the hedgehog could be overwhelmed by that parasite and die anyway. So when people find hedgehogs with things wrapped around them. It's always better to bring them into rescue, even if it's just to monitor them for a few days. And so in this particular case, the hedgehog was brought into us and all the plastic was removed from it. And we were able to do a fecal sample, which we do all our own fecal samples, to determine that this hedgehog had a parasite inside it called capillaria. And capillaria hatches into a rather unpleasant worm. So capillaria is the egg that hatches then into a nasty worm. So we were able to treat it for the worms that it had got. And then it was able to go back to a garden that was very near to the location that it was found. So one of the critical things and the most enjoyable thing about doing this is actually to help a hedgehog overcome any ailment or illness and then to actually release it as close as possible to the location that it came from. And people often say, don't you get attached to them? You can't get attached to a wild animal. Some people do get very attached to the hedgehogs that come and visit them in their garden and they're, they're very convinced that they are their hedgehogs. In essence, they're wild animals. And so the joy of being able to release them back to the wild is 
unparalleled. Absolutely. No, I understand that totally. And and I agree, you can't get too close because it's uh, a thin line sometimes, isn't it? And, and if you do get a bit emotionally involved, uh, well, I think quite with lot, hedgehogs, it's lucky because they're not an animal that can easily be tamed. They very quickly revert back to being a wild animal. And even the ones that we have in that have to be hand-reared, after a certain amount of time, once they're feeding themselves and they've been weaned from the formulas that we feed them, they very quickly become wild animals, just innately. And so there is a real barrier in the way of becoming attached to them. Yeah, which is really important because others, are, other species, should we say, are a bit more. Uh, Absolutely. More I mean, foxes too, are incredibly easy to imprint. And of course, being related to dogs, some people will have turned them into amazing pets, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, they should be wild animals. No, so that gives us a really good um, overview of everything you do because that kind of ran through all the different parts. And, and the best part, of course, is uh, getting them back to somewhere uh, near as possible to where they were found, which is so important as well. So I'm guessing that you must get calls every minute of every day with people saying, oh, I found a hedgehog. What can the finders do to help you so identify the issue? When you find a hedgehog, um, it's really dependent on what time of year you find it, what time of day you find it. So, for example, finding a hedgehog out in the day in summer is not a, an uncommon situation. 98% of them, possibly of any hedgehog that is out in the day, does need rescuing. But in summer particularly, the hedgehogs that are out in the day could be females who are nesting and could have babies, in which case, if those hedgehogs are moving around the garden purposefully, they don't necessarily need rescuing. The hedgehogs that need rescuing that are out in the daytime are the ones that are sunbathing. Um, it's a euphemism for, for the ones that are just lying flat, perhaps on, on your garden lawn or at the, at the side of a path or ones that are just not moving very well. They're, they might be a bit listless. Ones that are perhaps moving around in circles because that could indicate that they've got some sort of head trauma or ear infection. And usually a hedgehog that's out in the daytime is only out in the daytime because they haven't got enough food at night. And so they've come out in the day to look for some more food. Hedgehogs are voracious eaters. They have fabulous appetites and they need to fill and empty their stomachs three times during the course of the evening in order to get the nutrients that they need. Just like we have lunch, breakfast, lunch and dinner, they will have an equivalent, but in the evening. So when a hedgehog's out during the day, it's usually a bad sign. There's a difference, again, between winter and summer, because obviously in summer, the evenings are much lighter than they are in winter. And so if we get a call at five o'clock in summer, quite possibly those hedgehogs are just starting their evening wander looking for some food, because actually they don't have as many dark hours in order to find food as they do during winter. That's probably our first consideration. When there are hoglets being brought into the question, it's really about observation. And so 
if somebody discovers a lone hoglet wandering around, it might not be on its own. Mum might not be too far. So the best thing is to always want, watch it for a couple of hours and see if mum comes to collect it, see if it goes back into a particularly dense part of undergrowth, because that could be where mum's nesting. So the hands-off approach for any animal that is moving around is really the best approach. When people phone up, quite often they will get our answer phone because I do work full time. And so we have advice on the answer phone to let people know what to do. But we can't cover every single possibility. So we do ask people to just leave a phone number and call them back as soon as, as possible to find out what the situation is. But certainly it isn't always the case that you need to pick up and rescue every single hedgehog that is out there. And that's a really important message i think whatever species people are all the general rescues um you know we we all get filled up at different times of the year with owlets and hoglets and you name it they kind of uh, people obviously are doing what they believe to be the right thing but a little bit of education which is what you've made so well there and why things like this are really important because people listening to this, I suppose the classic is deerforms as, as well, that yes. are left by their mothers, aren't they? Uh, but it's really important, and I hope people take notice of that, because you very clearly said observe the situation, take note of the time of year, time of day, and then make your assessment, contact the rescue. One of the things we used to ask people, if it were possible, to take a short video on their phone and send it in, because... A collapsed dehydrated one is it's quite easy to see from a quick picture stroke video but that's not always possible in the situations or or indeed to spend no, time indeed. looking at them so uh solution no there isn't one solution it's a general thing isn't it and you but you've given the parameters there perfectly so i one of the things i'm i know from experience is running a hedgehog rescue can be very expensive. So what I was thinking is what ways can people help? So yes, running a hedgehog rescue is quite expensive. Luckily, it's one of the cheaper animals to rescue and unless there's an obvious injury that needs surgery. We're very lucky. We've got a number of fabulous supporters. And so when we do fundraising events on occasion, we do get amazing support at all of those. We get wonderful discounts from our food suppliers, which is an absolutely massive help. And we get some great discounts from some of the vets that we work with as well, which is obviously a, a massive help as well, because the biggest expense is, is usually the vet bills. If people are doing events like marathons uh, or doing something where they think that they could be sponsored, then there's always the opportunity. We do have a Just Giving page. And people can find us on there if they wanted to be sponsored to be able to raise money for hedge pigs. We try to help out other rescues as well where we can, although it's not something that we can do very often. So if we get big donations of things in, like recently we had a company who had a load of out-of-date PPE, um, lots of lots of vinyl gloves they donated to us because they'd gone out of date and couldn't be used in practice for human care. So we were able to split that donation across a number of rescues, which was absolutely fabulous. That really helps, doesn't it? And and it's 
at the moment, I think quite prevalent because obviously there was a lot of PPE around two or three years ago and it's kind yes. of expiring, isn't it? So I, I do know lots of rescues that, that are very happily taken in quite good stocks of vinyl gloves <laughs> that will last for a while. Amongst I stuff. think, so yeah, I mean, one of, one of the things with doing wildlife care is that we don't have to pay attention to the best before dates or the use by dates on many items of equipment that we use. And so that's absolutely helpful. And when the costs of PPE rose through the roof during COVID, I think we went from paying about £2 for a box of gloves to paying £10 for a box of gloves. So actually having a few coming back our way that have actually expired because they're perfectly fine to use is an absolute amazing godsend because it's it's helping us to recoup the money that we spent during COVID because we were open all the way through COVID because wildlife rescue was one of the things that was allowed to continue. And thanks to the British Wildlife Rehabilitation Council, which we're also a member of, we were given a particular notice in case we got stopped by the police asking us why we were out and about because we were still rescuing and releasing hedgehogs even all the way through lockdown. And well done for that because that's that was quite a challenge for everybody in so many different ways. Unfortunately, I know road incidents may be dropped out, but no, nothing else did. And because people were around a lot more, there was a huge influx and as you say, prices on everyday equipment went through the roof and the donations stopped in general. So it was a real tough time for most people in, in whatever form of animal rescue you were involved in at that time. So for a young organization to come through that and um, survive it and get through, you did an amazing job clearly in getting HBIGs through that difficult phase that we all took through. But you're right, it's nice that some things are coming back now because you've kind of paid for them in one way and it's nice to get the benefit back a, a little bit as, as well. So I don't know if it, different rescues work a little differently, but a common one with a lot of rescues is newspapers and towels and things. I don't know if that's something so, you yes, do. Yes, we don't, we don't tend to use towels too much. I've managed to accumulate a huge number of towels over the years and... Towels are something that we don't use a lot because hedgehog claws get caught in them very easily. So unless a hedgehog that's in our care is needing bathing or is in need of, of something to dry it off particularly, then a towel isn't really used very often. We tend to use little fleece pouches, which I've made personally, but also one of our supporters has made a huge pile of those for us. Probably the thing that we get through the most is newspaper. Um, we do have a drop-off point at the front of our house where people can drop newspapers off. And luckily, again, we have a huge amount of supporters who do do this and who collect newspapers in for us and drop those off. So that's absolutely incredible. And again, it's, it's down to the support that we have from our local community, really, that it's another thing that we don't really need for. That's fantastic. It's great to know that you're well supported and how valuable those uh, yesterday's newspaper <laughs> is in certain times and situations. So if somebody's not local to you and obviously can't help with the immediate like local community type benefits, 
Is there a way via the website or social media or something that they can just absolutely? So, if you go to our website, which is www.hedgepigs.org, nice, easy, easy one to remember, then we do have links on there for how people can donate. And we have a fundraising platform where you can click and you can make a donation by a debit card. And if you're a taxpayer, you can also send gift aid in. We have a PayPal account, which is dedicated to the charity. Everything is hugely transparent being a charity because we have to send all our accounts in every year to make sure that nobody's doing anything untoward with any of the funds that we receive. And 100% of all donations that come in do go 100% to the hedgehogs. We are manned completely by volunteers and nobody takes any payment. Well done you for that because the... That's a challenge at times in itself, but it's great to know that the hedgehogs are. So if you are going to donate, then please do, because you just heard what difference that can make and every Absolutely. Part I think so it's even, cool. I, and I hate to say it because I know that there are people out there that are experiencing huge financial traumas themselves at the moment, but one pound can actually feed two hedgehogs for an evening. It's really important to get over that it, a relatively small donation can still make a really big difference. That's fantastic. I hope some people do that and you get the benefit of that. So moving on a little bit now, can we talk about hedgehogs in the wild? I mean, they're in decline, but I've heard recovering in... That's right. So the latest state of British hedgehogs report, which is published by the People's Trust for Endangered Species in association with Hedgehog Street, has discovered that hedgehogs are recovering in urban areas. Mostly that's down to the increase in hedgehog highways, the wildlife corridors that people are creating, and also the supplementary feeding and putting water out for hedgehogs when there are droughts and when they haven't got access to most of the food sources that they would normally forage for. Having access to wildlife corridors has been absolutely critical because it means that they can travel from garden to garden without having to use the roads. And so that has saved countless hedgehog lives. And hedgehog mothers are very good in educating their babies as to where there is food available. So the supplemental feeding that takes place in many gardens these days is usually beneficial both to the people doing it in that they get to quite often observe the hedgehogs coming to feed and that fills a lot of people with a lot of happiness and the hedgehogs get to benefit in the way that they get to eat something as well. So so there seems to be a mutually beneficial relationship there. So on a hedgehog highway, can you just explain how that practically works, say between neighbours. Absolutely. With so one of the things that we like do that. in the Beeston area in Nottingham, we invested in what's called a diamond core drill, and we make holes in gravel boards in between people's fences. So the concrete gravel boards are often a, a barrier for people's gardens for hedgehogs to get through. Where there are hedgeways and hedgerows, then hedgehogs can obviously travel between the gardens quite easily. But any kind of wooden or concrete blockade that's in the way stops a hedgehog or any other wildlife from being able to move between a garden. So we try to make gardens as accessible as possible. And we're trying to help in our community to be able to do this. 
we've had some great success. One of our neighborhoods that we actually helped out and got started doing this in, in Nottinghamshire were able to succeed in winning Britain's longest hedgehog street. We weren't quite so fortunate, but having set them off on the right path of how to do it, we share in their absolute victory and in being able to connect so many gardens together. That's amazing. Well, well done to them and well done to you for getting them started. And and it's quite a small hole, isn't that's it? It's right. not something that's intrusive. It's, or, it's a hole or that's about the size of a CD case because we're using a drill as a round and I know a lot of people who have guinea pigs or rabbits that they allow to wander around their garden quite often say, oh, well, I'm not sure if I should do this. But actually, it's it's a hole that you can very easily block off so you can make your garden safe during the daytime for any enclosed animals. But then you can remove the barrier that you block it off with at night to make your garden accessible for hedgehogs. So you get the best of both worlds then, aren't you? And just going back to, you mentioned supplementary feeding. I, I know putting water in the garden is a really good idea for wildlife in general anyway but with the feeding what would you suggest nutritious food for hedgehogs is critical hedgehogs are just like us really they will eat all sorts of things that are no good for them so just i don't know if, if your favorite thing is chocolate or cheese but i'm sure you've got something that is no good for you that you absolutely love to eat for hedgehogs, there's a massive variety of things that they love to eat, but is really absolutely no good for them. So mealworms, the chubby mealworms that some people um, put out, the black soldier fly larvae, are also not particularly good for them. So mealworms and soldier fly larvae really aren't very good. Sunflower hearts are not very good. They can quite often get stuck in their throats and cause breathing difficulties and so can peanuts which again all of these things have absolutely no nutritional benefit to a hedgehog whatsoever and actually when a hedgehog doesn't get the nutrition it needs then it's in danger of becoming very ill because the hedgehog's body does a thing which is quite remarkable and it will extract the nutrients it needs from its own bones and by doing this it means that its bones weaken and it can't actually support its own body weight to continue foraging and looking for food, which is quite a horrific idea because to then just be stuck in one spot or a small range to not be able to find food is, is truly horrific. So putting out something as simple as meaty cat food in jelly or a, a soft meaty dog food cat biscuits you can get specialized hedgehog food and this is fabulous if you can manage to put that out for them because the nutrients are specifically balanced in hedgehog food for hedgehogs as species but it's any kind of meaty cat food dog food hedgehogs can't have a vegetarian or vegan diet because they absolutely depend on the nutrients that they get from meat their natural diet is is insects and they love they love to eat snails and they love to eat earthworms and and beetles caterpillars and those are all really because of the meat benefit that they derive from those insects so to put a meaty food substitute out is is absolutely brilliant that's great advice and thank you for sharing that so we're pleased to hear that in in urban areas, there's a general sort of increase in hedgehog numbers, although they are still seriously low compared to 
maybe a, a generation or two ago, aren't they? But in the countryside, it's it's quite a different thing. They don't seem to be recovering where you kind of think that naturally that would. In it, the countryside, there's a problem with farmers and landowners selling off land for housing estates because those hedgerows that were between the fields that the hedgehogs used to quite happily use to cover themselves to be able to move from field to field looking for insect food. They don't exist anymore. And because building companies don't automatically put hedgehog highways and wildlife corridors into their new estates as a matter of course, those hedgehogs are finding big areas that then they can't get to. In addition, there are other issues along the lines of other species that may be absolutely thriving as a result of changes to their landscape. Badgers are the only animal that are known to predate hedgehogs, and I'm not going to demonise the badger here because I adore badgers as well. But in some areas, badgers have been seen to be on the increase, and hedgehogs and badgers do eat the same food. Uh, yeah, any, any imbalance in the ecosystem is going to make a big difference. And where there are big woodlands, big forests in England, we used to be this amazing country of, of patchwork fields and, and woodlands. And that's not so not the case so much more um, these days because there are these big housing estates that are springing up and massive warehouse developments. And all of those are taking those environments away from our wildlife. And so imbalances do occur and there's a very definite pecking order with wildlife. There was a recent study done that shows that the badger is truly at the top of that pecking order. Then there's foxes and hedgehogs, and, and while a hedgehog might stand its ground against a fox, if there's some, some food available that a fox quite likes, then it's quite likely that it's going to see off a hoglet in order to get that food, and a hoglet won't have the defences that an adult hedgehog would have. And there, by losing potentially a hoglet, you're losing a generation of hedgehogs. And so making sure that as much is done as possible to preserve the environment and, and not chopping down woodlands. And I say, obviously, there's a housing shortage in some areas. So some areas do actually need new building estates going up. But if councils could actually think about what they're doing, when they're approving these situations and, and actually allowing developments to go ahead. In Nottinghamshire, again, we're incredibly lucky because the Nottinghamshire County Council has stated categorically that any new planning development that's approved should include wildlife corridors. And so that's quite groundbreaking. And I, I would love to see that extended across the entire country. Yeah, big shout out there for Nottinghamshire County Council because that is all thinking and it is the solution. And I just hope many councils pick that up and follow the lead because clearly it's working there, which is good. I think for me, it's definitely beneficial to see people feeding hedgehogs in their gardens because if there is a shortage of natural food sources for them, then actually having that supplemental food and it should always be supplemental it's not meant with the idea that it replaces the hedgehog's entire diet but supplemental feeding is is definitely valuable to hedgehogs as like you say with water all wildlife is going to benefit from water being available in a garden if you've got a pond in your garden then a ramp 
or a shallow area. Hedgehogs are great swimmers, but actually they're not so good at climbing out of ponds if they can't grip onto something to get out the side. So if you have a pond and you can put a ramp in, and that could be something as simple as some slate tiles, or it could just be that you slope one end of your pond to enable a shallow area that hedgehogs can climb out of quite easily. And obviously, those hedgehog highways and wildlife corridors are absolutely critical to wildlife. There's some great tips there, things that you can do in your garden. And really important, if you have a pond, that you have a way out of that pond for the hedgehogs or anything, to be honest, that that goes into that. One thing that I haven't mentioned that is probably... An absolute no-brainer to most people. But obviously, if you're having a garden and you've got an area that you can keep separate for wildlife, so you don't weed too much, you include some log piles, um, insect houses, then obviously you're encouraging the food, the natural food for hedgehogs into your garden. And by attracting those insects, hedgehogs, as I said, are voracious eaters and so they follow their noses and if they can smell or sense that there's food sources available to them in the form of natural food such as insects then they're more likely to try and find a way into your garden yeah so that's a great thing keep your garden wild provide a little bit of supplementary food and water and hopefully hedgehogs will come visit your garden so that's really helpful and it gives people lots of ideas of things that they can do. So thank you so much for that, Deborah. My uh, sort of general question today is what advice would you give to a 20-year-old so this Deborah? is something that I thought about quite a lot because I've thought quite a bit about what advice I would give to a younger me, but I never thought specifically about a 20-year-old me. And while I have lots of advice for even younger than 20-year-old me, I wish 30 years ago that I questioned more things and I would tell myself to question things. Don't just believe things blindly. Don't just take something that's said to be a fact as a fact. And if you don't understand something, then ask a question and ask somebody to explain it more because there's really no such thing as a stupid question. It's just something that either hasn't been explained to you or it's something that you just don't know. And in this age of technology, so many people are drawn to the internet for their facts. And actually, 20-year-old me thought that the internet was going to become this amazing resource of actual information that could be used for study, could be used for research, could be used to find out facts. And I would tell 20-year-old me, please make sure you keep thinking of it in that way and don't believe all the stuff that people post out there because there's so much nonsense. And this involves hedgehogs as well as every other area of, of the world, really, because there is just, there is fake news about everything. And so question more. That's, that's my big advice to my younger self. That's fantastic advice for anyone. When I, when I was younger and at school, Science was not for me at all, and I wasn't the best student. But actually now, had I studied science, then there'd probably be many more career paths open that I actually would have been interested in at this time. But yeah, questioning is critical. Yeah, I I agree. And I agree on the science. It's kind of, that's where we get the answers from, and I was the same as you, kind of 
asked me if I had it at school wasn't my interest, but now I'm like, oh, let's go and check the science. Absolutely. Read the actual documents. And I, I wish I'd done that a lot earlier than I did start doing that. And one of the things that we like to do on the Wildlife Matters Square podcast is we have one question that we like to share with everyone because it's relevant and I think it's kind of broadens the debate up and leaves it open for other things. So what one thing needs to change to help hedgehogs in Britain and do you think it's likely to change in the next Personally, five Personally, there's so many different ways that I could have answered this question. But I think the most succinct way that I can put it as one answer is human attitudes to wildlife need to change. And that's not just us as individuals, it's governments. It's really disappointing to have heard that recently we missed our climate change targets um, in terms of the heating levels that the country experienced. I think that with the right pressures and with enough of the general population going for it, then yes, in the next five years, we can actually make a difference to the climate and we can make a difference to the environment and that will help hedgehogs immensely. I think if we just ignore it and leave it to somebody else to fix, it's never going to happen. So I think our attitudes and putting pressure on government groups could change enough in the next five years that it could actually make a big difference, not just to hedgehogs, but to all wildlife. Right. That's great, Deborah. Thank you so much for being with us today and talking to us all about hedgehogs. Okay. So if you would like to support hedge pigs in their work, then please do take a look at their website, which is www.hpeaks.org. That is www.hpeaks.org. And on there, you can donate or help them in any way you can. You can also find them on social media. On Facebook, it's Health for Hedgehogs. And on Instagram, it's HHPeaks. So please do go along, support Deborah and her team of volunteers at Hedgepigs. And that has been this week's Wildlife Matters main feature. It was a real treat catching up with Deborah and hearing about the incredible work that she and her dedicated team of volunteers are doing to help hedgehogs. Please to look at their website and support them in any way that you can. You will find their website link in the show notes, but it is www.hedgepigs.org. All one word, www.hedgepigs.org. And that's it for this week's Wildlife Matters podcast. There is just time for me to say, if you have enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and follow us on your podcast platform of choice and on social media. You will find the Wildlife Matters organization on all major podcast and social media platforms. But for now, thank you for your time and for choosing to listen to us today. My name is Nigel Palmer and this is Wildlife Matters signing off. <laughs>